Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. I'm Dan Thomas, joined by Craig Burley and Stevie Nicholl. Later on in the show, we'll be paying tribute to Franz Beckenbauer, who, of course, passed away on Sunday. But we'll kick things off in the FA Cup. Wigan taking on Manchester United. Ten Hag would name a strong starting eleven for this time. In fact, it's Wigan who would have uh, the best chance early on. But then it was all about United and their lack of cutting edge, really, in the final third. They had a number of chances they couldn't convert. In the end, though, Dallow would make it 1-0 and a late Bruno Fernandes penalty would seal a place in the next round, which would be either away against Newport County or Eastleigh. After the game, Dallow was talking about the fact that there's been quite a few frustrated attackers uh, that they didn't find the back of the net in this clash. I think a lot of the, the lads will be, will be frustrated not to get a goal. I think today we, we had... A lot of chances, especially uh, like clear chances to score goals, um, and obviously we get a little bit frustrated when when the ball not doesn't go in. But uh, overall, we we're gonna be more happy with the win and to go through. Uh, Mario joins and Nadem. I can't believe they've made you wait and stay there in the dark, in the cold, in the northeast of England to talk to us. The northwest of England, did you say, or did you say northeast? I'm trying to figure out what you said then, Dan. What was that? Uh, that's all right. I imagine your ears are frozen. I definitely said northwest, no doubt about that. Uh, take us through the game yeah, uh, course, from yeah, your view fault. of it all. Yeah, so from my view, we were quite high up. We were watching United basically get into a groove. Apart from that chance which you showed for Wigan quite early on in the game, they didn't really pose that much of a threat in attack. I think some of that was due to see United being quite aggressive and you know slowing Wigan down in transition. And I think overall for United, I think we could all see it ended up being a very comfortable game for them. As soon as that first goal went in, you're sort of wondering, well, will Wigan be able to score? Will they be able to score a couple? And today, not really. I think there were some performances from United players which were good, but realistically you'd expect them to be good against a side that's essentially mid-table in League One but they moved the ball well they showed a bit of confidence you know at times Garnaccio at times looked really dangerous obviously Rashford wasn't necessarily his best but for me Maynou in that midfield as as a teenager I thought he looked exceptional I think his ability to sort of read the game to control the tempo at times and I think we saw some upsides for United but again it's not a game that many people will sort of use as a fair sort of brunt of where United are right now. And you probably say, well, the game on the weekend against Spurs is probably a more yeah. realistic depiction. Like to add anything to that, Mr Burney? Uh, well, I suppose for United at the moment, there is nothing could be described pre-match as routine. You know, because they've been so poor and so up and down and so fragile uh, but this was about as routine once this game started as it was going to be for them mm. apart, from, apart from that early chance but I, I think Dallow sort of summed it up by by saying something and not saying something in a sense was we got frustrated basically because we've got a bunch of players in the forward department that are not killing off teams like they should do and I, I think that's kind of what he was hinting at and, and Rasmus Hoyland was was the main culprit, to be honest. And he is a young lad, but look, he's, he's playing in the big boy uh, football here. And at a club like Man United, you're scrutinised a lot. Yeah. And quite frankly, at the moment, you can't fault his work rate and you can't fault his endeavour, but you can fault his finishing, which is pretty poor. For United, ahead of this game, it's kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, Stevie, because obviously you yeah. beat Wigan, we'll sit and go, well, you should beat Wigan. You know, they're sitting 18th in League One, and obviously if you don't beat them, then it's just chaos. Yeah, the real interest was that we know the way the game went, the way it finished, that's what we expected. But because of the way Man United had been performing, it was interesting because you're thinking... Could they really make a mess of this? Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the interest level. But once that first goal went in, we knew the game was done. Yeah, yeah, that was it, wasn't it, Mario? Obviously, your old side Wigan having that early chance, but in the end, the quality from United shone through. Yeah, because this this kind of games is always hard in the sense of like if you don't score early, 
it can always be a, a handful of games because you you're waiting on and you're playing a game and it's almost like you can never play as good as you want to play against sides like this and regardless if it's like my older team like Wigan but um yeah, you could see that. And then, of course, I mean, Craig already highlighted Haaland. This was his moment to score goals. This was his moment to really make a difference for himself. And I'm not talking even for the team, but when you sometimes you see the players, also the reaction of the players, how to get at him, in the sense of like, uh, they want him to score. And on the other side, it's also when he says something, you see the reaction of the other players around him. And I think that is kind of the moments that you want to feel like, hey, you got to make it happen because if not, it's going to take too long. And Ten Hag came out the other day and he spoke about uh, Van der Beek in Holland. And he said that uh, playing for Man United, you, you ask players to play for a team that has a lot of pressure. But when you come Sometimes it comes down to the individuals because they have to perform at a certain level, regardless if this size of a club is that big. You still got to make it happen, and I think that's what Holland is going through. He's young, but he's still got to score goals. That's why they brought him here. Yeah, Nadem. Obviously, he won a lot of fans uh, given that he came on when he when he finally got fit. You know, he, he was involved. You could see that he was passionate. He cared, which are obviously an accusation that some United players haven't this season. But at the end of the day, he needs to start scoring goals. Yeah, you absolutely do. I think for a side that's got aspirations of being up towards the top of the league, like they tend to have a number nine that's spearheading that sort of attack and. There are times, you know, where players will go through droughts and not have a ton of chances, and there's a bit more sympathy that way, and we can talk about service. But, you know, if we really look at some of the games that he's had, like he's had some very, very big opportunities, and for him to not be taken, them questions will always be asked. And it was great that he scored his first Premier League goal, but, you know, fanfare around the first, because it's taken so long, isn't something that you want to be doing for yourself when you've made such a big move to the, to the club that he's at now. So I think, you know, for now, he's a young player, as Mario said. I think that's something to not be forgotten, but... There is something to be said about leading the line for a team who probably get more viewers than, say, most of the teams in England, if not all of them. Because at the end of the day, you've got people who are rooting for you. A lot of people are rooting for you to fail. So whilst those eyes are on you, you need to be able to perform and be able to handle the critics because of the fact that you're doing such a good job for your team and for me, playing for this. It goes beyond just linking up the play, beyond just running channels. You have to be scoring goals. Uh, it's an intriguing tie, as I mentioned. Uh, the draw was made before kickoff. Uh, United, and we now know, of course, will be away against Newport County or... Uh, what was the other team? Eastley. Eastley, that was it. Yeah, I forgot them for a moment. Elsewhere, some big ties. Spurs against City, Chelsea, Villa, Liverpool at home. Nice draw for them against Norwich or Bristol City. Fulham to take on Newcastle. Uh, Nadam, away against Spurs for City. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about that, you know, because I'm sure everybody on the panel can remember the last time City scored a goal at that stadium. Oh no! Wait, they've never scored a goal at that stadium. <laughs> so for me, I would have preferred there to be than to be somewhere else playing against a different team and the Spurs side. You know that this is the this could be one of their main focuses in terms of winning a trophy this season. Like they're still technically part of the title race, but the cup run is there, and I think it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a tough game for City. And obviously, Spurs will get a version of City, which is probably going to be quite decent as well. But when I, when the draw happened, I wasn't. I wasn't too pleased because there are plenty of grounds around the country where I can have positive sort of images of City doing well there. <laughs> but that one itself, for as nice as it is, that is certainly not one of them. Uh, Gary Mabbott, who did the draw, was the last Spurs captain to lift the FA Cup. He's done them here, Stevie. 81. Aye. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's probably one of only two or three that City just wouldn't want. Uh, well, but it's been Spurs don't want it. No, Spurs don't want it either, but, you know, the fact that we're talking about City because they need them, then absolutely, there's two or three teams, and Spurs being one of them, they, they, they wouldn't want it. At the same time, they've got to be favourites. Yeah, of course. I mean, you, can talk, you can talk about not scoring at that stadium and all that, but it's the last thing that City and the players will be thinking about. They'll be thinking, yeah, we don't want to really go here, we'd rather go to Eastley or Newport County, oh. but you know what? We're better than Tottenham, so we'll take it. Uh, meanwhile, Mario, your former team Chelsea have got Aston Villa. That is a tie that Pochettino would definitely not have chosen. No, definitely. I mean, Nathan highlighted it for his team already. So, <laughs> looking at Chelsea, I don't think... Um, the only advantage for Chelsea is that the game is at home. And I think um, when you play at home, that of course you have the advantage. But in the FA Cup, we all know that, you know, the run that you have... 
regardless if they have the up and down, you don't always have to play your greatest game to make it to the final. The only the only thing is that you make sure that you 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 stay alive and make sure that you, of course, hey, we cannot say you, you cannot lose the games, but away from that, sometimes the finals. I don't think everybody plays the greatest football to get to the final. The only thing is that you have to make sure that you you. That is the only thing that Chelsea can focus on because all the other cups are not really in the race for them anymore. I mean, going after the league is something that's away, but the Carabao Cup and then the FA Cup, those are the two ones that they have to really focus on. Uh, Nathan, we'll say thank you very much. Where are you heading tomorrow? I'm going to be up in the northeast of England watching Middlesbrough. Okay, somebody else. I've forgotten who now, but yeah, I'll watch that game. I'll see you um, I think Mario might be able to tell you that'd be nice and warm as well for you. Lovely. Uh, just a reminder, uh, that game is live on ESPN+. Plus. Borough taking on Chelsea. Then it's Liverpool against Fulham on Wednesday. Uh, these games um, over two legs on ESPN+. Plus. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Meanwhile, as I mentioned at the top of the show, the world of football is mourning the death of Franz Beckenbauer, one of the best ever players that the sport has ever seen. It is an extraordinary resume when you look at what he achieved, both as a player and a coach, uh, twice winner of the World Cup, of course, as a player and a manager as well. Six times he won the Bundesliga, he won the, won the Ballon d'Or twice as well, and three times he lifted the European Cup. Uh, Mario with us, and we welcome to the show Derek Ray, of course, our, our Bundesliga expert. Uh, Derek, of course, Germany in particular will feel this hard tonight, the passing of one of their best ever. Indeed, Dan. When you think about Franz Beckenbauer, you think about one of the most recognisable people in German public life. We're not just talking about football here. And I think we knew this day was coming. He's been unwell for some time. He hasn't made public appearances, really, in the last few years. But it still is a big shock, a big jolt to the system. And I can tell you that, coincidentally, on German TV tonight, there was actually a scheduled documentary about Franz Beckenbauer, lo and behold, that went on air this evening as 
a full-scale tribute to the great man. And you listed there all the various honours, and they certainly put into perspective what he achieved. But I would also like to think about the fact that he revolutionised football. In many respects, he was the ultimate elegant revolutionary, elegant because of his style of play, revolutionary because he invented a position prior to Beckenbauer We didn't really have a sweeper in that mould, somebody who would play as a free man and then make those journeys forward and score spectacular goals from time to time. He put his own stamp on that position. And I don't really think we're going to see his like again. That's how revolutionary he was. Uh, Stevie, of course, you saw a lot of him. You're saying today, proper proper world-class player. Oh, no question. Easily the best centre-back slash sweeper that ever, ever played football. No question. You know, he's up there with Maradona's and Pele's. I mean, again, typically somebody in that position, all the best ones, we've talked about other players that played in that position, you never saw them with an inch of mud or sweat on them because everything was so easy (laughs) for them. They just read, he read the game, he intercepted passes, he didn't have to get involved with with centre-forwards and try and elbow them in the face. He just out-thought them and out-played them. I mean... Derek's talking about elegance. I mean, this guy, this guy's head was always up. His shoulders were always back. He just, he just looked the part. I mean, just an incredible player. And I think it's, I think it's funny, you know, people, people that today that, that don't know Beckenbauer, we talk about Man City with the centre-backs going into the middle of the park or the full-backs going... He was doing this 50 years ago. 50 years ago, he started doing this. That just tells you how far ahead of his time he was. Uh, Derek, a rare breed as well to be that good a player, but also a very successful coach. Yeah, that's a remarkable thing. And Germany or West Germany, as they were at the time, called on Beckenbauer after the 1982 World Cup when they lost in the final. But there was a bit of disenchantment about that team. And so the logical feeling was, let's call the Kaiser. Let's see if he can change things. And of course, he'd been playing. He had been playing in the United States for a while, came back to play for Hamburg, even though, of course, he's the ultimate Bayern man. We shouldn't forget that. Bayern were nothing as a club until Beckenbauer came along. They weren't even in the Bundesliga in the first two years of the league's existence in the early 1960s. So he was synonymous with their transformation. But then to do what he did with the national team was something very special because, of course, it was very symbolic at the time. We had the reunification of Germany. He went to that World Cup in 1990 as the coach with only West German players. That was, of course, soon to change. But it was the end of an era and of course 86 taking them to the final as well some would say unlucky to lose in that final so a player a coach and also as an administrator in his later years he did the lot as well as selling everything from soup to beer on German television he really was ubiquitous. Uh, Mario what do you think of when you think of Franz Beckenbauer? I mean, living in Holland, of course, uh, we have the connection to him in the sense of like um, uh, being a great player. I think uh, the, the perfect highlight, what the guys already talked about it, but um, and, and one that um, Stevie said, the elegance. That is what is in, in, in Holland is, he's known for. He was really calm on the ball. And me as a young kid, because you have to also imagine, the moment when he was rising, there was a time when I wasn't even, <laughs> I was hoping to be alive. But because we always saw the clips and coming back and seeing things of him, we could see how he dribbled the ball in the game. And the sense of like, I mean, I don't want to call somebody else's name because I don't want to disrespect his name, but Barriesi was one of those guys that was doing similarities. Like the comfort zone in the way he built the game up from the back and the way he led the line and how strong he was and determined to making sure that he was always the leader of the team. That's why they call him the Kaiser. But away from that, it's like there were also two key moments. Like one moment was in 1974 when he won the final. And uh, the key thing was he played against Holland and we had Johan Cruyff at that time. So he said, like, okay, Holland was maybe re- one of the best teams at the World Cup at that time. But what happened that he said, and Cruyff is one of the best players. He said, but we won the World Cup. So it was kind of like, as much as, as, as he was as a good player, he was also very intelligent in making certain comments. The same happened in 1990, you understand, when the, the spitting moment was in, uh, with Fuller and uh, Frank Reichardt. He got a red card for that, and Fuller got a red card. 
and he was the manager. But it was a big situation going on. Eventually, he goes to the final. I think he, they beat uh, Argentina in that one, and he won it as a manager. But just regardless of what we always have, because we're in a small country, so we always have to look at them because they are the big one. They are the giant next to our country. So you will always respect him in the sense of like what he achieved and then the person he was as a player, what he brought to me as a young boy was like playing as a defender, as a center half sometimes. We had to look at him. Regardless if we were playing at Ajax, people said like, no, you got to watch him because on the ball, he does things that not a lot of players could do. And that was calmness. Did you, have you seen the, there's a little clip going around today, there's many clips going around today about Franz Beckenbauer, but there was a little clip and it was uh, involving the late Sir Bobby Charlton who passed away recently uh, and he was handing out some award to Franz Beckenbauer and he gave a little speech before it and he said, before the World Cup final in 66, and Bobby <laughs> Charlton was one of the best midfielders ever, mm-hmm. Sir Ralph Ramsey said to him, listen, I need you to change your game today, he said... There's only one thing can stop us winning the World Cup, mm-hmm. and that's Franz Beckenbauer. And I want you to man mark him. And Bobby Charlton's going, This is the greatest game in my life. Yeah. You want me to mark <laughs> You need to man mark Franz Beckenbauer. Yeah. That's how important that was the threat that he had. is. But it's quite strange in a way. I never saw him play, obviously. But whenever, we were, whenever I was doing commentaries back in England in the day or, or the UK, uh, back in the day, I've heard other people using it, and for some reason, and I think I still use it to this day. So whenever we see some big daft defender trying to dribble out the ball with the back and giving it away, the amount of times I've used the line, who the hell does he think he is? Franz Beckenbauer. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, even though, even though this was a completely different era than I even, before I was even born, doing commentaries, it just seemed to go to, who the hell does he think he is? Beckenbauer. <laughs> and years later, we're still probably saying that. I think that sort of tells a story about how he transcended generations yep. with his performances. And Derek obviously mentioned before he did quite a bit of time in America, part of the NASL, with all the big stars, of course, including Pele as well. Yes, I actually spoke to him about that. I was in his company on a few occasions, and he has very fond memories of his time with the New York Cosmos. And, of course, that, again, was a bit of a revolutionary period. They were trying to change things and rip up the old script in the United States. And to be with all those superstars uh, at one time was very special. He did it for just over three years and decided it was time to leave. But he had that superstar quality about him. And he slotted, I think, very comfortably into New York life. And I think it's interesting. You can talk in U.S. terms about legacies and what people have brought to the game. I think sometimes people forget about those superstars who came in the 1970s and were were trailblazers. It was a different era. It became quite fashionable to forget about that era for a while. I'm never sure why, because it was a very important chapter. And Franz Beckenbauer was front and center in that chapter in the USA. Uh, Derek Ray, thank you very much uh, for joining us. A fitting tribute to one of the best the game has ever seen, Franz Beckenbauer, who passed away today at the age of 78. Welcome to the Emirates Stadium in North London for the standout tie of the FA Cup third round between Arsenal, who've won the trophy more often than any other club in history, and the current Premier League leaders, Liverpool. And it's a chance for Arsenal, and the angle just became too tight. Odegaard can line it up here, hits the crossbar. It's the blast, forcing the save from Alisson. Ben White thought, why not? Kai Havertz rose but couldn't connect. Arsenal have had the lion's share of chances. As of now, have nothing tangible to show for it. And the amount of chances we're generating, it's incredible that you're not picking more more points. But, but this is football, we have to face that reality as well, and you want to be at the top. I mean, winning and winning and winning is, is something that we have to improve. Alexander-Arnold. And that is the breakthrough. And it's the delivery from Alexander-Arnold that caused the confusion, the consternation. Ten minutes to play, Liverpool in front. The reaction to the first half and the second half, was one of the, the, the games I enjoyed the most. He kept ourselves in the game. And then you can step up, and that's what the, what the boys did as well. Liverpool with a lot of numbers forward here. Luis Diaz wraps it up in style. No Salah, no Van Dijk, no worries. 
A statement win in the marquee tie with a mix and match side and 9,000 travelling supporters make North London reverberate to the noise of Liverpool Red. A disappointing night once again then for Arsenal supporters. Outgunned once again. The back page of the newspapers lead with stunned guns. Uh, Arteta, we just cannot score. Uh, Julian Laurent, of course, was pit side for that tie uh, for our ESPN Plus coverage. Mario with us as well. But, Craig, it's interesting, isn't it, the, the rhetoric around Arsenal at the moment. It's like oh, they're creating all these chances, but they're not putting them away, which maybe isn't quite what the reality is. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt they are creating some chances, but I think he's painting a picture that's away from what we are actually seeing. I think when you peel it back a little bit uh, and look at their overall play, they're bossing a lot of games, they've got a lot of possession, but even in the game against Liverpool, which John Champion mentioned in commentary, was a bit of a makeshift side, you know, Alisson in the second half had no shots to save. Right. Nothing. So it's not like they're peppering goals after goal. Uh, this is it, Jules, isn't it? Like, as, as Craig mentioned, the second half was thoroughly disappointing from an Arsenal perspective. And even though they had a lot of possession in the first half, those clear-cut chances weren't in abundance. No, but we said at half-time, remember, that Liverpool were never going to be as bad in the second half than they were in the first half. It was not possible. We expected Klopp to change something, to do something. And to be fair, even just... Putting Avi Helio back in midfield, Gakpo as a, as a nine and not for long because then he came off anywhere and, and swapping Diaz and Nunez as well. I think that had an impact and Liverpool were much better in the second half and even if Arsenal there's that chance where Havertz crossed the ball and Saka not really sure how to do the volley and then the volley goes above the bar. But it's true that they were certainly not as good as in the first half where the first half was really I think the, 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 the main positive because they played well. They, they played well, they had chances, they just lack confidence you could clearly you see it's quite easy to see that right now especially that front three or four if you put Odegaard in that front four even with Nelson coming on for Martinelli that the confidence is low but I think it's not all bad but certainly the fact that it's three defeats in a row that they're clearly struggling to score and struggling to find that fluidity that we saw last season and the, the cutting edge in attack is, is an issue for sure it's one thing to say it's not that bad. The problem is you're, you're going for and expected to be pushing for the Premier League title. <laughs> it's complete. You know, when you're, when you're the underdog and you're coming up and everybody's giving you praise, then that's fair enough. But Arsenal are not at that stage. Arsenal are at the stage now where, having spent 650 mil in four years, then, then you're going to have to be... You're expected to be challenging for the Premier League title. And if you don't score goals, you're not going to win games. And you ain't going to be going for anything. You know, this, the rhetoric that, that Arteta's coming out with, it's not just about this one game. He's talking about over a period of time, we've been so good and we just haven't taken... Ch- In the last four games, they've had 11 shots on target. Do you for one second think you're going to win anything? If in four games you've got three shots on target... And you're supposed to be challenging for the Premier League title or anything else? I don't think so. We, uh, I don't think there's any doubt that Arsenal are very much in this title race. Right? This, the only reason we're peeling this back a little bit is out of the top five teams, if we include Tottenham in that, uh, they're the club at the moment with the most questions. Because if Tottenham go on a run and their players get fit, or if they hit the buffers, nobody will really... Mm. bat an eyelid not too many will bat an eyelid of Villa fall away but if Arsenal fall away then they will yeah. and going yeah. back to these games we had that, we've got this graphic that just if you're into your XG and your, and, and your stats mm. we've got this graphic that says look if we're talking about battering teams then the game that Liverpool had with a record amount of goals uh, times G7.11 is battering teams now nobody expects you to get those kind of stats I think it's, I think it's XG not XG yeah <laughs> XG same thing right but even if you half that to three and a half right that's still a lot more than Arsenal's average which is 1.86 right now go back to the last seven games their average is 1.64 which is only just slightly more than the Premier League average so recently they are not horsing teams and just not scoring They've got plenty of possession, but they're not getting themselves in great positions. They are kind of just more than average, 
But when they get in those positions, they're not scoring. So it's not just about saying we need a hundred million pound striker. We mm. need to find a guy that's going to put. Yes, that will help. But they haven't got a times G that is suggest- XG. It's the same thing. It's not. <laughs> if they <laughs> have expect- got- it's from expected goals. I just say times. How dare you? How dare you? If they haven't got a times G, XG, if they haven't got an XG that's obliterating everything else, then it's a little bit of a lie. And I think it is. They're they're only just above average in the last six weeks. So it's not just about, oh, we're not putting the ball in the back of the net. They're not giving teams a going over like Mikel Arteta is suggesting that they are. Is that fair, Mario? Yeah, it's fair. You know, you know what the thing is also, when you looked at the first half, they, they had a couple of opportunities to strike the ball and it took them too long to make a decision. Harvard said a couple of times that, that, you know, like the ball comes to him, he waits and then, you know, you wait a couple of seconds. When you're around the box and if you're ultimate striker, you hit that ball really quickly. Okay, then the second half, when we look at the second half, there were kind of fortunate eh, moments in the sense of like, if you look at Nuno, Nunes had so many opportunities. There were a couple of opportunities that he could slide his players in and he would not play the ball to them. If he would have, you know, like uh, released the ball quicker, he, then Arsenal could look even worse than what came out of, of the score. And away from that, remember, this is now last season they were doing incredible things. A big surprise. Now we're in the same situation. That's why at the beginning of the season, we talked about it and I said, let's wait till the winter comes. And we're in the winter now. And look what is happening. I don't want to say they fall off already, but they clearly are looking for something. And if your manager, and I saw his the way he was talking, he looked very emotional. And you could say it's not, but that is also the culture where he, where he is like. But the, the emotional sense of like, he was almost asking like, I need my goals now. But he also does not know where they're going to come from because the guys like Asaka and, you know, like those, those were the guys that were scoring goals. There were 10, 10, there was a point at the last season, there were 10 assists, 10 goals. There were numbers of everybody was like, wow. And now... They are missing that. So those are the key things with Arsenal now. It's not only your striker, but the whole team needs to produce more goals. And if they can't, that's why they're looking so vulnerable at the moment. It's the problem, Jules, well, certainly a big part of it, the fact that their big players seem to all be out of form at the same time. Yeah, it is. And I mean, we, we, do, we haven't done it for the show tonight, but we've, we've compared already the numbers for Odegaard and Jesus, Martinelli and Saka this season compared to last season. And it's just day and night. And I think even if your team is maybe more solid defensively this season, at times certainly, and I think they have the most clean sheets right now so far in the Premier League with Liverpool and another team. Offensively, attacking-wise, it's just not as fluid. And we've said that even when they were top of the table after the Brighton game. We said it even before the Liverpool game. We said it's just not clicking offensively like he used to last season. And maybe the opposition teams have found a way of defending better against Saka, whether you, you're doubling up on him or whether you show him the outside. There's different ways. I mean, Martinelli's form has been really, really difficult for him. And Gabriel Jesus has had injuries already twice in the season. So it's difficult. And on top of that, you lost Granit Chaka as well. And if the guard is not creating those chances, being that kind of engine of creativity and even him himself scoring goals, then you're in trouble and that's exactly what they are. And I think Arteta maybe needs to find different ways of creating chances than the usual route in a way. And we saw that against Liverpool in the first half. It's a lot down to the ball to Odegaard and then the ball to Saka and then Saka Mm. one-on-one against his defender. But there's a time where that doesn't work anymore so much. A lot of times last year they had uh, Xhaka and Partey in the side, right? And and people say, well, that's... But that's more defensive and why they should be creating more chances now because they've got a Havertz or a Trossard and an Odegaard. But it doesn't, doesn't always work that way. Right. You know, and Xhaka was this guy who, yeah, he had this disciplinary problem. He, he's carried, he carried it with him into Arsenal from Germany. Now he's gone back to Germany. But last year he probably had one of, if not his best seasons. And one of the things he was doing was going out to make sort of a back three at times when the keeper had the ball. And we saw Zinchenko then would go into the middle of the park and it gave that left side a better balance with two left footers there and when he went into midfield with him and Partey they had two guys that could tackle as well win the ball and it maybe gave Odegaard a little bit more freedom whereas this year it's generally 
And for the most part, yesterday was different. It was Jorginho and Rice, but generally it's just been Rice. Mm. Uh, and that's a lot of work for one guy to do with two more offensive players in front of him. So just because you're getting more offensive players into offensive positions doesn't necessarily translate into creating more chances. I think they're finding that out this season. And what's it doing? Jules brought it up about Saka, obviously. Is it a case that he's out of form, or is it a case that some teams have sussed out how to defend Well, I don't think... I, I, I don't think sussing out... Yeah. I, I, think, I think you could just say the more experienced he gets, the more of a map man he is. Right. Now, we know he gets a lot of treatment, so do a lot of players, and, 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 and players are looking to rattle him. You can see clearly... Uh, recently, he, he has struggled. Yeah, he's getting plenty of shots away in the seven games that he's played, but he's not very productive with it. Uh, and he's not looking a threat in front of goal. And look, I said yesterday during the game, you know, sometimes you, Joe Gomez is a pretty good one-on-one guy yeah. uh, when, he, when he's defending. We can, you know, sometimes Gomez is in the wrong position as a fullback. <laughs> I know he's playing left-back yesterday or whatever. He gets caught maybe sleeping at the back post. But one-on-one, he's big and he's strong and he's quick and it was always going to be difficult uh, for Saka but a lot of teams are doubling up on him Right. a lot of teams are doubling up on him yeah. and he's finding that difficult and I think he might have to get to a point where he's, he's pulling players and the best players do this where he's dragging two or three players in and then he's feeding the ball off nice and early and Arsenal are utilising that that extra body and others are going to go and take up the mantle but they're going to have to do that right. if you're Arteta what are you saying to Saka Stevie? Um, he's going to have to. He's, he has to make better decisions. You know, again, we've just we've just shown the XG and used that stat. Times, T- sorry, times, <laughs> <laughs> and we used that stat. But then we just showed that 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 Saka's a twenty nine shots. Now somebody looking at that would go, "What well, if he's a twenty nine shot?" The problem is, twenty of those shots are are, are bad decisions because right. there's no way yeah. that they're hitting defenders' legs or hitting a defender's body. Are, are the shots just not on and, the, and they're doing things they shouldn't be doing? Plus, you add that to teams are sitting deeper. You know, last season, with extra space and the pace that Martinelli has and, and Shaka has and, and the way Odegaard could pick a pass, it was perfect for them. But this year, everybody, including Liverpool in this game yesterday, mm-hmm. are sitting a bit tighter. So there's less room. There's less room to manoeuvre, which is probably a reason why he's got 29 shots and it's hitting everything but the back of the net. I, I might be wrong, but I, I think... Maybe I'm wrong on this. I, I just look at like he's a player who has just lost a wee bit of confidence and he's doubting himself a little bit because I'm not... And I'm not talking about the one he shanked yesterday from, at the back post in the second half, which, which wasn't great. But how many times have we seen this super-talented guy at the moment beating defenders? Right. He seems to, it seems to me at the moment he's coming back in a lot on his left foot uh, and he's not I've not seen him a lot recently drop the shoulder and go away from a fullback and really get in behind and make the difference it's just that part of his game he's just he's just lost that little burst of pace at the moment and maybe that's just confidence or whatever it is or he's feeling the, the heat of the amount of games that he's played in the last 18 months I, I don't know but I think there's one thing for sure if, if Bukaya Saka continues to struggle it's going to be a difficult pathway to see Arsenal winning this title. Why aren't we seeing, in taking on players more, Mario, as we're accustomed to, of course, throughout his career? I I, I think also, you know, if you look at the game yesterday, you know, Klopp played, uh, you know, a a Gomez there with a right-footed player playing against a left-footed. So you know that Saka likes to go inside. And what is Gomez's stronger feet? This is right. So on that scale, he knows how to block that ball quicker. And I felt like in the beginning, in the first couple of minutes, in the beginning when the first half kicked off, Saka read Gomez because he knew his control was on the inside, on his right foot. So he read that and they could have scored out of that goal. They came a great tackle for, you know, Konate made a great tackle out of it. So that's why they didn't concede it. But... Then after that, it was that race that, that we talked about, the 1v1. That moment is like, it was the, the mental challenge. Because when you, as a fullback, play against your attacker, it's a mental thing. Eh? It's, it's ego against ego. How far are you willing to take me? And you would not take Gomez on in a way of like bringing the challenge to him. Because he's got to run more with the ball. And one of the key 
that Stevie said is that they drop deeper to make it harder for him because it, it, there is no space. You know, like normally that's his strength. His strength is running with the ball and setting others up. And also the opposite uh, side, you know, normally it was left and right for them. Now all the eyes are focused on him. People are expecting him to break things open. And I think, you know, that, that comes down to is more challenge on him and more expectation. And the talent he has, it's also normal. But then it comes down, it's going to be really, really tough for him if his team is not producing more and everybody's just focusing on him. It's going to be really, really hard for him. Plus Ben White is solid. Centre-half, playing full-back, has done for quite a while now. He's solid. But you don't really, he's not what I would call a full-back no. who you have to really worry about. I mean, you you you've got to keep him in your in, in, in your thoughts and where is he? And, but he's not a marauding. He's more of a solid guy at the back there. So you kind of can concentrate a little bit on the threat that Saka's given with keeping half an eye on your full. But it's not like it's Kyle Walker flying up and down the wing, yep. you know, for ninety minutes whipping balls in or Trent Alexander Arnold getting forward as we know. So that can negate. Yeah, it should give them a little bit more strength at the back. But although Ben White does get forward. He's not an attacking fullback that the other teams really have to concern themselves about. So they've gone away now for warm weather training and until their next game, which is uh, what, 12, 13 days away. What do you focus on if you're Arteta? How do you handle these next couple of weeks? Finishing. <laughs> Just that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I think they're going to have to do a little bit of work defensively. Right. You know, Craig saying the Ben White ultimately is... is Erring on the side of caution defensively because they were really tight, mm. but just recently they haven't been. They've been letting goals in, so they'll need to do a bit of work with the back line. But yeah, hundred percent. Get on the finishing drills. Get everybody with a smile. Any footballer doing finishing drills will have a smile on their face. Okay, unless they're missing. Apart from Harvard. <laughs> well, well, you should at this oh, level when you're doing finishing drills, you should be making the goalie save it. Let me put it that way. I got to stop. And they, and, they, and they will be, by the way. But, <laughs> but really, to me, it's down to form. Right. You know, it's not. We spoke about it yesterday. It's nothing to do. I don't think it's any to do with tactics. It's to do with form. But can it, this two weeks help? Yes. Yeah. Takes you away. Right. Gets it out of your head. Yeah. Get a bit of sun and go and enjoy yourself, and then you come back fresh and with a, a clearer mind. Absolutely works. We should all do that. Yeah, nice. well, let's do that. You're a man. <laughs> you're a man. Let's go for a bit of song. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, last word on this to you, Charles. For it. Yeah, no, I agree with Stevie. I think they will come for a few days. Some of the families have travelled as well um, to to Dubai. I think it's going to be good. They did it last season too. A lot of Premier League clubs are doing it. Uh, and I think it's, it's the right time. If you don't play this weekend, of course, everybody will have the 10-day ten, the break at some point in January, which I think is a good thing because a lot of teams, not just Arsenal, but I think a lot of teams, a lot of players can do with a bit of a rest at some point. And Jules, you should see Stevie's face when they said that some of the families have gone you know, with them. You, well, you know, what's wrong with that, Stevie? Well, because <laughs> one, of the, one of the benefits generally when you go away as a team is you're all together. Right. I mean, everybody laughs when you go, well, it's bonding. I mean, it sounds... But it is. <laughs> you get together and you spend time together and there's, there's all different conversations that end up coming out. You can't do that when you've got the family there. I don't think they'd be there all I mean, the time seriously. sitting next to them, really. I mean, they, go, they're, they're, they go home every day at lunchtime. Why do they need to bring the family away with them? <laughs> I, I, I really don't get it. I really right. don't Stevie, get it. I'm and I'm, sure, and I, I'm not. I'm sure you did some Christmas parties too at that time. Oh, dear. Yeah, but, but you, you understand what I'm saying. Well, to, players to have can't all be the, away from their families. To have all the players yeah, away together for four days, six days, whatever it is, yeah. part of the reason is to get them together. Right. To spend time together. Yeah. Well, listen, families there or families Sorry. not there, whatever it is. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with Stevie to a certain extent. I, I don't quite understand yeah. that. But that's what they do. Right. That is what they're doing. What we do know is the Premier League title is unlikely to be coming, coming back towards them. Right. They're going to have to go and earn it this second half of the season. And that means a big improvement in what we've seen. They're capable of doing it. But there's no way we're writing Arsenal off. But at this moment in time, after last year's excellence for 80% plus of that season, Mikel Arteta finds himself in a bit of a quandary at the moment with his team selection going forward. Meanwhile, 
Away from Arsenal, Liverpool, Kylian Mbappe's entourage have uh, released a statement oh, about his yeah. future. That's all we need. Stevie, come on, that's not the attitude. <laughs> uh, there is no agreement regarding Carl's future, just as there aren't yeah. any discussions. Kylian's Kyle. <laughs> just yeah. as there aren't any discussions on this subject. In any case, no kind of influence can dictate the timing of Kylian's discussions, thoughts or his decisions. What prompted this, Jules? Well, it's, a, it's interesting, but on Sunday there was a, a website here in, um, in France, sorry, not here in England, but in France, quite respected, to be fair, website on transfers, news and breaking news, things like that, from quite respected journalists saying that Mbappe had an agreement with Real Madrid and that that's where he was going to go, and which felt a little bit early really and certainly our sources and we wrote an article today on our website as well with sources saying that he hadn't decided yet uh, and then the the family confirmed with that with that statement or the entourage confirmed with the statement and it was also a bit of a response to Real Madrid because remember there was those rumours that Real Madrid wanted an answer before mid-January and then if that was the deadline and if there was no answer before the deadline then, then after that it was over Mbappe would decide whenever he wants, where he wants to go, and who, who also wants him. Then he would make his mind up whether that's staying, going to Real Madrid, going to Liverpool, going anywhere that he would want to. But a bit like they say in the statement, just nobody will force him to make an early decision, for example, or to take a decision when he's not ready for it. All of that. And it's also a bit what he said after the game the other day, too, after the, uh, the French Super Cup. So really, we kind of expected a little bit some sort of reaction from the Mbappe camp, which we got today. It's going to go on, isn't it, Jules? Yeah, it's only just starting, boys. Look how happy he is. He's like, oh, all these appearance money. Oh, 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 oh. Mbappe. What a gigantic... <laughs> what a gigantic... Don't. Don't. What a yawn fish. Oh, there we oh, go. My God. What's his times G at the moment, Jules? Yeah, <laughs> uh, that is it. Then, uh, just a reminder, you can check out the latest edition of the Gavin Jules podcast. Um, and be sure to check it out so you reflect on what happened across Europe this weekend. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle tonight la quinta tomorrow you shine book direct at lq.com hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Shaq is back from his holiday tomorrow. We can talk to him about throwing balls at people. Uh, That is it. That brings us to the end of today's show. Mario will be back for extra time. Stevie and Craig, of course, here as well to answer your questions. Welcome into the latest edition of Extra Time. Mario is with us, Craig and Stevie as well. Uh, the FA Cup draw was, of course, made today. Who will go past the fourth? I helped you out today, right? I helped you out today when you had a, one of those moments. What moments? Couldn't remember Eastley. Yeah, that's right? true. Couldn't yeah. remember Eastley. Yes. And we could have left you hanging, hanging high and dry, going, right. embarrassing live on there. I can't remember. The we yes. answered you, right? Yes. I made one mistake. You made it a couple of times. It usually depends on the size of the mistake. Yes, yours is quite glaring. (laughs) 
You kept calling well, it Times G. It was such a serious but, moment listen, as well. And he, and he, was, that, like, that, he was generally that, quite angry. Yeah, that, that adds into it as well. You were, you were doing so well. Shut up. And it was so serious. There's an X in front of it. And yes. an X means times. No. It's got a double meaning. What? An X is a double meaning. So why why would X represent expected? It puts many X's it's in times G. It's still so wrong. It's not the same. It's a shortening at that. It's not the it same is. thing whatsoever, it Craig Burley. No. This is back to 360 all no, over again. Times G. Times You're the only one who calls it times G. Yeah, well, exactly. Don't be a sheep. But don't be a sheep. Don't worry about yeah. facts. Call sheep. it what you want. Uh, Mario, who will go past the fourth round? Tottenham or City? Oh, no, I think City, because De Bruyne is back. I'm expecting a lot from him. Uh, Mario, what were the oddest dressing room or dietary habits of your Chelsea teammates that shocked you coming from Ajax's academy? Oh, music. Because at Ajax, when I was at Ajax, it was always quiet and everybody was so focused. You know, it was like very... How would I say? Um... I think the experienced players, they, they will have chats, but the young boys, including myself, we were kind of quiet because we wanted to be, uh, you wanted to be right for the coach and the most experienced players. When you come to Chelsea, <laughs> they had a speaker in the dressing room blowing up the music so loud and people were just bouncing. And I was like, in the beginning, I was like, how are we going to play this game? Is everybody going to be focused? Then the referee blows the whistle. Oh my God, everybody was ready. And I was like, oh, okay, this, I didn't expect this coming. But yeah, that was the thing. One club, no music. The other one, loud music, like a, like a nightclub. Were you surprised at all by some of the beer consumption that maybe you saw or some of the, the food that was chosen as well? No, because I think, I think at my time, I think they were already going at the angle of like... Craig had uh, left, yeah. The, yeah, I think it was already gone. I heard the stories, of course, you know, like some of the guys were telling, like, warming up. Before they warm up, some will have a shot first and then go and warm up. You understand? <laughs> Stuff like that. But no, at the time when I was at Chelsea, we didn't have moments like that. We would play, like, um, there was one game. Um, I don't want, I want, I won't call you the name what it's called because it's kind of rude. But it's like, uh, I'm sure the guys are familiar with it. When you try to keep the ball up and you get, like, one, uh, one touch, and if you mess up, they can flick your ear. And we did oh. that in the dressing room. So, oh my God. And I remember we had a captain, Dennis Wise. He was always in charge calling everybody. Hey, come on, guys. Come on, let's play it. Let's play it. And we're like, we got to play in a minute. He said, I don't care. Come on, let's play it. So we played that game a lot of times in the dressing room. Uh, Stevie, you're the epitome of dietary habits. Yeah. So maybe wouldn't. I was thinking more of the oddest dressing room. Yeah. So I left Liverpool... And when you're at a place like that, I'm assuming everybody, whatever they are, when they go to a good place, they think everywhere else is the same. I see, yeah. So I left Liverpool and went to Notch County, and I walked through the door, the, f- the first day I went, and they all went, oh, what are you doing here? I was like, ah, what do you mean? They're like, everybody wants to get away from here. Oh, lovely. What did you, what'd you come here for? I was like, holy smoke, what have I done here? Yeah. <laughs> Every single one I wanted away. Hated it. Oh. Couldn't get away from the place quick enough. I was like, that's a bit weird. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was just, yeah. <laughs> what are you doing here? That's a nice welcome. Oh, what are you doing Craig here? Craig gets that everywhere. Angie, <laughs> I've saw an improvement in his dietary habits today when he came in with his lunch. My goodness. What was his lunch today? Two bags of chips. Yeah, well, put it one way. You, yeah. you know, the, you know. Have you ever watched Doctor Who? You see the TARDIS. Doctor Who. Right. Yeah. TARDIS. You walk yeah. in this TARDIS, and then you can fit a thousand people in it. it was, that was like his bag. It yeah. was like it was Mary Poppins esque. If you see, just, just kept food just, just, just stuff kept just coming kept out. Coming. The bag was only yeah. about that size. Yeah. There was chips coming out, <laughs> and, he, and then he, there was soup coming out. Yeah. There was then there was bread. Yeah. Chocolate and then there was bars. Like more chips. Then he went, oh, chocolate. Yes. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> very nice. Uh, Stevie, you're doing a good job, Stevie. Yeah. Well, you could say she's not really. Well, she's looking after you nicely. I mean, to be fair, I'm worth more dead than alive, so you never know. Uh, there we are, Stevie. In mid-round cup matches like this week, if you lost, would you rather it be against a big rival club that you unluckily got drawn against, or a small lower league club that pulled off a massive upset? Well, it depends who you play for. If you're playing for Liverpool, yes, it makes no difference who you get beat by. Yeah. Right, you got it. You're absolutely good. But there's no preference. Like, would you prefer to lose to Manchester United or Sutton? No, it's just, it's a little bit more embarrassing if you lose to a low league team. Yeah. Right. But at the end of the day, you're out. Right. You're out. <laughs> I, I don't think, I've, I've, I can't watch an FA Cup final because I'm not in it. I can't watch it. 
I don't, I don't even, I'm not, I don't have an interest in the tournament. Well, you do when I was playing. Well, I didn't. But but when I was playing, having another one of our moments there. When I was playing, brush this one over. As soon as we were out, that was it. I couldn't watch it. Really, you wouldn't watch any. I wouldn't watch it. If Liverpool, obviously, didn't have, if they were not in a title race either, would you watch any of the games? Yeah. No. Yeah, I watch that. Why is that different? Just it. Well, again, the the profile of the FA Cup has changed a little today. Right. But Certainly when he was playing and me before him, I mean, it was everything. Right. Everything. Yeah, that's interesting. When, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't watch a final back in the when day. I, when, you... when I came to Liverpool, we were European champions. And the first FA Cup tie I was ever involved with was Chelsea away. And Chelsea were in the, the second division at the time. Right. It was the third round, Chelsea away, go there, and you've got Dalgley, Souness, Phil Neal. Uh, McDermott, I mean, Phil Thompson, like all the big names in English football that hadn't won the FA Cup yet. Right. And we got beat 1-0. I was 13th man, so I was getting the <laughs> kit in and out of the boss and doing all that stuff. They came in after the game, and I've never, I was like that. Absolute silence. Absolute, you could have heard the pin drop. Right. Every single one of them. The biggest names in, in English football were... Not in tears, but you could you could see the pain and the way they were sitting and their face and we're out of the FA Cup and I was like that. Oof, all of a sudden you realise this is this is big time. What happens on the bus yeah. journey back from those sort of Dials. for the whole trip? Not the whole yeah. trip, no, no, not the whole trip because because back then we had beer on the bus. I see. Eventually, loosened up. It would loosen up. I see. But yeah, you weren't you weren't seeing. But we know we no. talk about the, the, the FA. Stevie said the FA Cup has changed a little bit for clubs, and it has because mm-hmm. the money that has come into the game and the importance of Champions League football, whether we agree or not, and Premier League and the money, blah blah. blah. But I've yet to meet a player, and if you ha- if you do, they really shouldn't bother playing. Who doesn't want to play at Wembley? Yeah, and and it used to be the. Uh, the uh, cut and closer for the season, didn't it? Yep. Yeah, that used to be it. It used to be it, and sometimes that changes now depending on what else is going <clears> on. That used to be the last game, and sometimes it was a fortnight after the league had finished, and you just. Yeah. If you don't want to play, <clears throat> and a lot of guys won't get the opportunity, and I understand that, but if you're playing for one yeah. of the bigger teams or you have a chance to play in an FA Cup final and it doesn't float your boat, you might as well not play. Right. Because yeah. it is. Yeah. When you get to it and you're at Wembley and you see what it means to the supporters, and I remember in '94 Chelsea hadn't been to the cup final. I think I think it was 25 years. There'd been quite a drought in getting there, and just just the the, the supporters and what it meant to them. Looking forward to this, even though we were middle of the table in the Premier League at the time, going going absolutely nowhere really with Glenn. Uh, just the fact that we're playing at Wembley at the end of May. Was and it, it's yeah. it ha, I don't care what, what it's like now, it still has to be like that for players. Yeah, it's got to be. Mario? Yeah, but that, that was like uh, what Greg said. I, I, for me, it was a big surprise though. You know, when I when I was there, and then you gotta wait for that, like after the season was done, we carried on for training, like what maybe one or two weeks. It new for me because you know you, you're, you're a young boy you're tense for the final but then also you're looking at and you say like no one else is training only the two teams who are playing so then you're like you know like you're having a go and everybody's just fighting for this position but away from that yeah Wembley I think for myself playing in Holland it was a dream for me to play in Wembley it was like regardless of anyone that gets that opportunity you should definitely want to play in that stadium because what it brought I mean I, I, I saw the older one and the newer one but it, it's just special it's just something that if you're a footballer you want to make sure that you play there because I watched England play for example before I came to England and they were playing in Wembley and I was like I hope one day I can play there so when you get that moment enjoy it because it's really a great stadium to play at uh, just take us through you mentioned Stevie is the 13th man you, your role was to to do what? You were saying you had to unload the bus? Like uh, go for anything. Really? Anything that needed done, you did it. Take the kit off the bus. So there was one sub then? Yes. And the 13th man was not stripped? So the, the reason they took 13 is because in case somebody got ill the night before. Okay. <sighs> somebody woke up in the morning and was ill. Can you imagine and that? I, I, I would be the sub. Right. But wow. that never happened. Well, okay. I, that never once happened when I was there. So after that... 
your job is to do anything you're asked to do. Right. Like what, for example? Take, take the kit. Once, as soon as you get to the stadium, get around the back and help with the kit. Right. Take mm. the kits in there. Get the balls. Make sure you get if there's balls needing signed. Take the balls around the lads. Get them to sign it. Wow. I mean anything. You're literally the game. Yeah, yeah you're, you're the goal for it. Aye. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> on, on a couple of days ago, we spoke about the worst investments uh, that the boys have made. Kieran talked about buying plastic forks for a thousand pounds. Frank um, invested. In, I can't remember what it was, but he lost fifty thousand pounds. Stevie talked about an investment, but refused to talk about it because he was so depressed about how much money he lost. And this leads us to who will step up and buy Stevie enough drinks for him to spill his worst investment yes. story? Yeah. Yeah. Who's doing it? <laughs> that could be a good investment for someone to get your story. <laughs> score you off. Uh, you've had some time to think. Would you like to share it now? No, I wouldn't often. No? You have no laugh. No? No. no. <laughs> Private. Pri- yeah. <laughs> you can't cheer me over, what? No, I'm just... Uh, look, I have the questions in front of me. All right, me, well, the no. Move. All right, OK. Take it on. That's a drop in the ocean. <laughs> for Frank. <laughs> Frankie. Uh, how was your investments, Craig? All positive? All successful? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you like Mario backup keepers playing in cup ties? Backup keepers playing in cup ties. Um, you know, you know, it's a difficult one because if 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 my okay, if this is the only trophy that I can win, I want to play with the best. Right. And and if that is my backup goalkeeper, I'm sorry for him. But if I if I know that, let's say now, what Chelsea is in, the situation they're in now. Okay, they're not going to win the league. Uh, they have a cup they can win, right? Because they're playing in both cups. I want my best goalkeeper behind me because I want to win that cup. I don't care, you know, about the backup and what the situation is. Just figure it out and win that battle between the two goalkeepers or the three goalkeepers. Figure that battle out and win it because we, the guys on the field, has to fight that battle too. So it is no difference. Now, for me, I would say no. I mean, the backup goalkeeper could only do it when the team is really that high up in the league. Let's say you are a Liverpool. Then you can have a backup goalkeeper and say you can play the cup games. But away from that, if you're lower down the ranks in 12 or 10 position, I don't think it, sh- it should be played like that. For all, do you think Craig annoys Dan more or does Dan annoy Stevie more? No, I think I think I annoy you more. Craig doesn't annoy me unless it's Christmas and he has some sort of breakdown. Yeah. I don't have a breakdown. I have a... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. More of a Christmas epiphany. See, the problem with you is, is that sometimes the stuff you come out with, I don't always get whether you're taking the mic or right. you're serious because sometimes you seriously are so wrong. Right. That I think you're having a laugh. I see. That's the problem we've got. I see. So, yeah. We're about to go on air. Big show today. Obviously, Manchester United. We're going to talk about friends back and back and back. Steve goes. Oh, you should see my toenails at the moment. They're really cutting. They're like talons. Right, thanks for that information, Steve. It's beautiful. Uh, Spurs versus United this weekend. Percentage chance United win that game, Mario. Spurs versus United this weekend. You know, like, because the Spurs have so many uh, guys out, you know, that that's why... Um, they are looking out to buy players because they're talking about defensive players and stuff like that. So that's it. It, it could be a, it could be a, an equal match in terms of United not being stable at all, and Spurs is looking to see like, hey, can they get that momentum going again? So I think it could be. Uh, I still give it to Spurs. Yeah, that's not answering the question, Mario. What percentage chance of Manchester United to win? Seventy percent Spurs. 70% 60, Spurs. No, no, no. Snedo, it's That's a little too high. Let me go 60%. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's not 60%. United, is it? Mm? It's United Spurs. Okay. It's not at Tottenham. All right. Oh, it's not at Tottenham? Okay. No, oh. they've already played at Tottenham. Man United, that was one of the games Man United actually played well for half an hour. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, the handball. The handball. That being said, I think it was 60-40 for Spurs at Spurs. Right. I'm just edging a minute 50, yeah. just over 50% for Spurs. 50% for Spurs? Yeah. After a little bit or so. <laughs> All right, and then what about a draw? Don't get smart. <laughs> well, it's a possibility, isn't it? <laughs> it's a possibility I'll come over there, along with his nibs, give you a heavy slap. Hey, what about the times G? Who's going to get more times G in that game? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Stevie? 
Come on, Stevie. I'm going to go United just... Okay. What percentage? <laughs> 55, 45. 50, but what about the yeah. draw? Interesting. Draw. We never had The draw is 50, 50. Nobody gave her what? The draw is 50, 50. What are you talking about? You said what about the draw? Yeah, but the draw's a possibility, isn't it? Aye. But you said 55, 45, so there's no room for the draw. Well, there could be. What? Well, there could be. No, there's three options. Yeah. If you get 55 yeah. to United. There's going to be a winner. I'm saying it's United. Right. But I think the draw is 50, 50. It's more likely to be a draw. Oh, okay. Yeah. But we're not. Oh, okay, I understand what you're saying. 50 yeah, I don't think Spurs won. Right. If MD wins, it's United. Okay. Which is why I gave them slightly more. Right. But actually, I think it's going to be a draw. Okay. All right. Perfect. 50. I don't know your logic. Where's your logic? Well, because, because it's three options, isn't um, it? United <laughs> win, Spurs win, draw. I only need two options, Dan, thanks. Okay, all right. Yeah. The options are 0% uh, yeah. Spurs. Very economical. 0% Spurs, 50%. Personally, I'm yeah. confused. There you go. What are you confused about? You're confused. I thought we'd made it pretty clear. <laughs> uh, that is it. Mario, that's enough of all this nonsense. Go to bed. Uh, ESPN FC is back oh. tomorrow. Another working day for Craig Burley, Shaka Hislop. I know. Oh, you're getting extra. Oh, well, I've been suggested. <laughs> um, Shaka's back from his holiday. And well. Wednesday. Uh, and back in. Oh, Craig, how are you coping? It's a six day week. Now, Shaka's back. Me and Stevie are off to trip his toenails. Hi. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They're the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled, and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C, ebikes.com.